then it turned into me being like, okay, this is going to be my goal. And I can picture myself doing this and doing the visualization work that, you know, you can picture yourself of what it's going to look like. And then me actually putting myself out there and sending emails and getting turned down and going to meetings that didn't really work, but then never giving up that hope and knowing, nope, this is going to be something that I'm going to do and I'm going to find the right person. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two, and with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and if you're new around here, Welcome, and if you're an OG listener, welcome back. Today we have a fun episode indeed, one all about the business side of things with content creation, brand partnerships, creativity, collaboration, and so much more with the lovely Melanie Torres of Headstands and Heels. But before we jump into that, I did want to share some thoughts on today's episode from my perspective. So you'll hear us discuss a lot of things in the podcast, but I wanted to remind you of something. As Mel and I talk about, you know, starting a blog and her Instagram account and growing and, you know, brand partnerships and collaborations, all these things, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed if you're in this space. You know, thoughts of, I need a blog or I need to do this or I need to do that may start to pop up in your mind. And I just wanted to share my experience because I was the same way in the beginning You know, when I first started out, I thought I needed basically everything outside of myself in order to be successful. I was a little bitty baby Instagram account, yet I thought I needed all these things so that people would find me, so that people would love me, so that they would follow and trust me. But guess what? I was so, so wrong. I wasted money and I wasted time and energy on things such as starting a blog website. That's great. It's fun if you're really into it, but I did it just because I thought I needed to do it because everyone else was. And guess what? If you go to that site now, it hasn't been touched in probably eight months. It's just, that's what happens. You know, in another instance, I bought an Instagram course. It wasn't anything sketchy, trust me. It was just like to teach you how to use hashtags and how to, you know, make better photos and all these like little things. And it was one of those times where I bought the thing, you know, it was probably the price of one college textbook, so not that much, but, and then I started doing it and I realized <laughs> this is all things I already fundamentally know. I just maybe wasn't applying them or I maybe wasn't looking into them as in depth, or they were things I could have found out for free with a little bit more Google searching. You know, it was just little things like that that would happen. And I'd realize, you know, I'm trying to, feel better about myself and my work through these outside sources and I'm trying you know it's like you're almost trying to cheat the system when we all know that the best way to grow a blog or an Instagram or a business the best way to grow trust with your audience the best way to get people just attracted to you and following you and supporting you is just being you being 100% authentically you. And it took me a long time to learn that. And I'm still working on that because sometimes we think we're being authentic, 
But in reality, it's just something that, you know, we've seen done a lot. So it's almost a trend. Or it's something, you know, that we try to be authentic with, but we still kind of keep our walls up and we only give a surface level look into things. And that's fine. I'm not saying you have to share everything with the world. I'm just saying that if you really want to, you know, be that authentic magnet of a person, you gotta dive deep and you've got to quit relying on outside sources to do the work for you. So that's my thing for you. You know, I just, I've been there and I've done all the things. So I just really want to help anyone else that's going through that, you know, type of figuring things out stage. And You know, it's what I've learned, and this is what Mel and I discuss, is that the true followers, the true engagement, all of it comes from just being your true self. Those are the, you know, when they they connect with you as a true, authentic human being, that's who they want to support and follow endlessly. So, So when we discuss all these things in today's episode, I want you to remember that. Whether you're on social or not, just always be you, and I know that is so cliche, so cheesy AF, but it's true. (laughs) That's how you build a brand. That's how you find your authentic voice. That's just how you get your audience or family or friends to trust and support and always follow you. And at the end of the day, you'll feel better if you're not wearing like this protective mask or have these protective shields up. You know, if you can just be you, that's, that's enough. You're enough already. Trust me on that. Once more, I know that is cliche AF, but take it from me. It's true, okay? So on to the actual episode. We discuss a lot in this one. Everything from building a blog into a full-time content creation platform, what it looks like to do that while working in the corporate space, which Mel did, the skills that helped her jumpstart everything, how to build trust with your audience, creating a brand for yourself that's uniquely you, working with brands, collaborating with others, and collaborating with someone else to create her very own product line, which is so fun to hear about. And lastly, but very interestingly, a turn of the conversation. So I start asking Mel about her beliefs, standards, etc. on the topic such as manifestation. And lo and behold, the conversation took this very fun turn that I wasn't expecting. And it was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire convo, where she discusses how she blends her religious practice with a spirituality practice and it's kind of this beautiful blend of manifestation with prayer spirituality with religion and it was interesting because i myself am not religious in the slightest (laughs) i a hundred percent respect every religion but it's just not for me so it was so it was refreshing to talk with someone so open-minded dabbling in both sides of the spectrum you know It was just truly fascinating, and I think a lot of you may relate, because I have a lot of friends myself who are religious, but who are also interested in the spirituality side of things, or, you know, want to dabble in manifestation, or any of these other fun practices that sometimes are called (laughs) woo-woo, but to me are, you know, maybe that's my religion, but either way, it's just a overall very fun conversation, and to learn more about Mel, to find her, her blog is Headstands and Heels, and that is her Instagram as well, at Headstands and Heels. So go ahead, find her, follow along, message us if you listen. We love to connect with you guys. And as my final announcement of this episode, and one that I've been, oh, I've been brainstorming this for months now, and you guys probably picked up, but I've been 
debating whether or not to change my Instagram handle for months now. And I kept including it in the podcast episodes, thinking I might change it, but never actually, you know, pulling the trigger and doing the thing. So I finally decided, as I'm saying this right now, I'm making sure, I'm making a promise to myself that this is it. This is my final thought. I am changing my handle from at thrive underscore on life to my new handle that is 100% authentically me at Emily Feichels. Now, I held off doing this for a while because I'm not a big fan of my last name. It's just hard to spell (laughs) and no one knows how to say it, but I realized that, you know, Let's Thrive feels so natural to me. That's my podcast. That's my health mentorship program. That's my business. Unfortunately, every variation of Let's Thrive is taken on Instagram. Thank you, next. And every variation of Emily is taken on Instagram. Thank you, next. So the only way I could have something that feels like me and no one else has is to use my odd AF last name, Feichels. So you can now find me on Instagram at Emily Feichels. I'll spell it here. E-M-I-L-Y-F-E-I-K-L-S. And I'll have it linked below. I promise once you, you know, search it one or two times, it'll come up because I'm the only thing close to Emily Feichels on Instagram. There is no other account that's even close to that. (laughs) And then as usual, you can find the podcast at Let's Thrive Podcast on Instagram. I'd love to connect on either account with you. And as always, if you'd like to support the show, I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. You can go on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a rate and review. Even subscribe, that means a lot. Thank you, as always, for supporting and listening to the show. And without further ado, here's Mel. Yeah, I just, I so wish I could do in-person interviews. It just, I hate having like a screen between me and the guest and you can never trust technology, but it is what it is. So <laughs> yeah, you make it work. It's totally fine. Well, how's San Francisco? That's like, I love that city that I've been there once and it just stole my heart. Like, I love it. <laughs> I think it's really cool. Honestly, I like it more today because it's sunny. Mm-hmm. It was very gloomy the first three days that I was here and it was super rainy yesterday, but it's kind of fun because I'm solo during the day. My husband is here for an orientation week for his new job. So I've just been able to like explore and take classes and like do whatever I want to do. So I've really loved it. Um, yeah, it's cool. I like it. Is the energy like, is it such a like difference between the energy there and the energy of New York city, like the slow versus fast pace, or is it kind of equal? Um, I would say the energy is really different. Not that this is slow paced by any means, but I would say it's a quieter city. Like there aren't as many people walking around. Um, I'm not super familiar with the neighborhoods and there are a few kind of seedy, sketchy areas that I was like, okay, I'm just going to (laughs) Uber to some places. Um, whereas in New York, I feel like anywhere below like a hundredth street, (laughs) you're totally fine and able to walk around. There's no real public transportation and everyone seems to be in technology or like a startup founder. So so that's a little bit different. Um, But yeah, I would say like it still has a city vibe, just a very different like techie city vibe. I was going to say when I visited, it was only for like two days and I was going to a retreat that was in 
like I don't wine country. I don't know. It was it was beautiful in nature. Like I love that. And then I only got to play tourist in like actual San Francisco for like I think like a day and a half or two days. And I was staying with a friend who I forget what part she lived in, but it was like the nice high end part. So mm-hmm. I I didn't have to like you know see the less pleasant parts. So. Yeah. My views of the city are kind of skewed, but. (laughs) That's funny because the first time I stayed here, I stayed in like the worst area and I hated San Francisco. I like left and I was like, I don't know why people like this place. This is awful. The homeless problem is worse than New York, like all this stuff. Now that I'm back, I feel like I've been able to see some of the like more beautiful places and it is definitely gorgeous. It's a city that I wouldn't mind visiting again. I probably wouldn't live here though. Yeah, no. (laughs) Same. It's also super pricey. It's like yeah. more expensive than New York, which is insane. I know. Yeah. I was very surprised by that because it didn't, I don't know. It, yeah. It didn't seem worth the high prices that my friends were telling me their apartments were. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. One of my friends just moved out here from New York and she was telling me, like I went to her apartment and she showed me, like just gave me like a tour and she told me how much it was. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Like it is equivalent to New York in some ways, but I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I feel like at least if you're paying that much money in New York, you can get a really good place. I don't know. Um, Where are you from again? I'm in Pennsylvania. So yeah, like middle of nowhere, like anything. So I love whenever I get to travel and like New York City, I, I couldn't live there, but I love visiting there because it's just like, all the restaurants and everything to do. And I love like people watching and everything. So I love when I do get to travel, but yeah, the city life isn't probably for me. I'm too like sensitive to all the energy. Like I need to be able to step outside and just like breathe and be on my own, but I do love visiting. (laughs) That's what it's there for then. You don't need, you definitely don't need to live there. It's one of those very polarizing cities. So I totally understand that. 100%. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It was so funny. I think I found you uh, after Alyssa's episode because you shared you were listening to it. And I was like, oh, who is this? And I found your page and it just blew me away because, I mean, your feed is so beautiful, but it was your captions. Like I, by reading your captions, I could tell like, okay, she's the real deal. <laughs> she's not oh, just like doing this for show or something. So thank you for coming on. <laughs> Yeah, this means a lot to me. How long have you had this podcast? So it's, I think it's like about a year old right now because I started it last year. I know it was right before February, the end of January. So I think it was right around this area this time. And it's funny because I I feel like I'm a different person, but the podcast is so different from when I started that like part of me almost wants to get rid of the first episodes just because I feel like I was putting out information that I'm not too like in line with right now, but everything starts somewhere. So, (laughs) and and honestly, it's okay. I feel the same way about a lot of my blog posts that I did back when I first started, I go back and I'm like, Ooh, this is rough. Like I wrote things that were way too long or some like tips that probably weren't that great. And the photos were awful, but it's kind of nice, honestly, like, Right now I'm coming on my four year like blog anniversary and it's nice to look back and see how much has changed and how much growth there's been. So I would suggest keeping (laughs) your first few blog for your first few podcast episodes because you might really like looking back on that later. 
I think so. And I hope people like see the change. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to be tuning into like later episodes and whatnot as you continue to evolve and grow. Yeah. I always advise people start at like episode 20. <laughs> start there and go forward. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, so we were talking about your blog and, the, you know, everything you do for work. So when did you get started in blogging? And in that, like, when did Instagram come into the picture? So my Instagram and the blog kind of came simultaneously. But to back up a little bit, my Instagram started as a yoga challenge page. So it was really just because I had just gotten into yoga about five, six years ago. And through that, I was in Florida at the time and there weren't very many good studios. So I had to practice online and find people who I felt were really inspirational and who were at least sharing their practice to where I could understand it and practice it at home. And so what I would do was I was like, well, if I'm going to join these yoga challenges, I cannot inundate my personal feed and bombard all my friends with these yoga photos every day. So I started an account called Mel Yoga One. I did not think it was going to turn into a blog. I did not think, I didn't even really understand what blogging was at the time, to be quite honest. I didn't follow any bloggers. I did not even think that could be a lucrative thing. Um, so it was simply just to share my yoga journey. Then afterwards, I moved to New York City and a few people shared their blogs with me and they were like, hey, you should probably turn your thing into a bigger lifestyle account. And I thought about it and basically February, I think this was four years ago, I decided to change Mel Yoga One to Headstands and Heels and I launched my website at the same time. So basically all of it changed and then I started sharing more than just yoga it was a lot of my personal life, um, career-wise, but then also just like health and wellness in general, um, with a more like focus on yoga, like tips and tutorials. How different was the space back then? Like, were you getting brand partnerships or was it more so like you're just posting because it's what you love to do? I mean, it was a mix of both. I would say the field was not as saturated four years ago. Um, I knew a lot of the bloggers in the fitness and yoga space at that time because there weren't as many. So you really were part of a more niche group. Um, I got my first brand partnerships within a few months of posting, but I was doing it because I loved it. I had a full-time career working at a public relations firm. I was in digital marketing. Um, that was my career for six years. So for me, this was nothing but a side hustle. It was something that I absolutely loved to do. It was kind of an escape from the day to day um, of my, my corporate job. And so for me, it was, it was really great when brands started reaching out to me, but it was not something that I was like, oh, I need to do this to make money, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that actually sounds nice to not have, not have the pressure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it was purely because I enjoyed it. Did you, like, what skills did you carry over, if, if you did, like, carry over from your work in public relations and digital marketing into this side hustle? Like, were there any tips, tricks, things that really benefited you to have that experience in? Absolutely. So at the time I was doing social media marketing for Pantene, which is a major hair company. And I was leading not only the social strategy, but also the influencer strategy. So I was very much seeing what brands were really looking for when it came to hiring influencers, what type of content uh, really 
I guess, spoke to many brands. And that really translated over into my own personal or I guess my side hustle as well, because I knew from that experience on the brand side what I could be doing better to kind of position myself in a way that really stood out, um, that brands could quickly look at my page and get a sense of what I what I promote and who I am, um, and then also just have a very clear voice in the industry. Did you, like, how did you define what your voice was in you know, like I know you you were interested in yoga and everything and people suggested you do lifestyle, but was there anything in particular or like a practice you did that helped you say like, this is who I am. This is what I want to represent. This is what I want to share. Because I know for me, like it's, I know like I have like the big umbrella of what I want to share and I'm trying to find a bit more, not niche down, but a, a little bit because it does get confusing at times, like to know where you stand. So was there anything that helped you do that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's so hard to narrow down a specific mission statement and purpose. I think everybody in the health and wellness world is like, I just want to help people live a healthy and happy life. <laughs> kind of seems like that's what we're all here. That's what we all want to do. Um, and for a while, that was kind of my thing. I was just like, holding on to that and nothing more. And I was like, and I also want people to get into yoga. So I really didn't have a very defined point of view for a long time. I feel like it was constantly changing and evolving within the space. And also as I figured out what I wanted to do, because it started with just really yoga and then it continued to evolve. And then I started branching out to more fitness classes and adding that in. And my yoga practice started to kind of fall by the wayside. And then it picked back up again when I did yoga teacher training and then it fell back down. So I think life ebbs and flows. And that's one of the, the tricky parts of having a brand that is centered around you because you grow as a person. So it's okay. And I tell people this, that it's totally okay for your purpose and your mission statement to change and grow over time. Right now, I would say that I've really honed into more of a mindfulness and positivity aspect on my account. When I, when people come to my page, I just really want them to get a sense of wanting to live a healthier lifestyle through being, um, through looking at things through a positive lens, working out because it makes them feel good and it makes them, um, feel empowered and happy and not because they feel like they need to do it for an aesthetic appeal. Um, eating things intuitively instead of, you know, fast trying like fad diets or things like that. Um, so that's really like where I've landed, but that has definitely been a process over time and just figuring out what works. Well, and that being said, like, what do you then hold the brands you work with by? So like, if a brand comes to you and they want to work with you, are there any like questions or things that, you know, you must check off the list in order to work with them? Yeah, um, for sure. So there are plenty of brands that I've turned down because they don't fit into the checklist that I have. So if it is a cosmetic company, one of the first things that I look at and ask them is if they are cruelty free 
cruelty-free is the highest priority for me when it comes to that. The second part is if it is more of a non-toxic brand. Now, I will be perfectly clear, I don't live a 100% non-toxic lifestyle. Um, some of the makeup brands that I use and some of the skincare isn't 100% clean, and that is okay, I don't position myself that way. But I like to err more on that side when I'm partnering with brands because I know that is a healthier route to go. Um, so that's a big part, but it has to be cruelty-free. When it comes to food brands, um, I'm a pescatarian, and I have been for two years, so that just means I don't eat beef or poultry or pork. Um, so obviously it can't include any of those, and I also want it to be something that is, to me, for people who, for women who are on the go, who need something that's quick and easy and accessible, um, and something that's not gonna break the bank. So if it hits those three, then I'm good. And then as far as activewear and a lot of the other lifestyle accounts or brands go, it just needs to fit for my target audience, which happens to be um, urban women who typically, like, I would say my biggest audience is in New York and LA. So for me, I just need to picture this urban woman using this, wearing it, um, and it needs to contribute to living some type of healthy, active lifestyle. And those are my main qualifications. <laughs> and I also have to love the brand in general. Like I have to actually use it and like it. So do you ever, if you've never tried a brand before, how do you like phrase a response of, you know, like I'll try this and then I can promise you a promotion? Like, because I know sometimes it's like we have this fear of losing something. So it's like, we'll just agree to whatever we're given. But in reality, we, you know, we should be trying these things out, making sure that we do love them before we share them. So how do you respond to, you know, something like that? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to a brand that I've never tried before, it's pretty easy for me to just say I'd love to, you know, try a sample first. If you're able to send product ahead of time, I can evaluate it, then get back to you with a response. Um, if it is a very quick campaign and they're like, you know, we need an answer now, I'm, I'm one of those people who kind of errs on the side of it's better to be safe than sorry. I would rather just say no and walk away to, from a brand and just wait for some other opportunity than promote something that I don't like. Because I think the biggest thing that I value on my page is trust. I want my um, fans and followers and friends and anybody who follows me to really trust the words that come out of my mouth and the brands that I promote. And it, all it takes is one bad partnership to really make all of that fall apart. And it's not worth the money at that point. Yeah. I was just listening to another podcast today and they were discussing how, you know, they got a big, big money contract, but it was for a brand that they didn't fully align with. And, you know, the only thing they were concerned about is that trust as you were just talking about. And I know there's been some people I follow who have made me think, why would they ever support this? And it does, it does put like a little wedge in the door of, you know, you start to second guess, you know, like when you see them promote something, I now feel as though I have to investigate it myself to make sure, like, is this something I would actually align with? So I, I think that is important, as you were saying. And like, when you're working with these brands that I'm sure you've known for a vast majority of your life, like you look up to them, whatnot, have you ever felt imposter syndrome or the idea of like, how did I get here? What am I doing? Like, is this, you know, is this real? <laughs> yeah. 
I get imposter syndrome all the time. Um, I think that that's a normal part of anybody's career as you continue to progress and grow no matter what field you're in you're always faced with those moments of am I good enough or how in the world did somebody select me for this but then you have to step back and realize that you do have a distinct point of view and something to share and um, I would say that with the partnerships that I've done there have been some brands that I was just kind of sticker shocked almost like sticker shocked of like wow I can't believe for example when I worked with Dunkin' Donuts, which sounds like silly, but it was for their um, plant-based Beyond Sausage uh, sandwich that they released. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like a big brand like Dunkin' knows who I am. And it kind of was that way with when Adidas asked me to do um, a partnership with them to actually teach a class at their headquarters in New York. Um, and I was just blown away because Adidas was always very top of the list for me of aspiring activewear brands. And um, yeah, so I would say moments like that come up all the time, but you kind of just have to like push through that and give yourself the credit that you deserve. Agree a hundred percent. And I think it's important to like in any work you do, honestly, like to just value your self-worth, like know that, like know what you're worth and stand firm in yourself. And I think it can be tricky sometimes where like, if you are excited for something, you don't necessarily want to like ask for more. So I'm curious, like when did you start to have to transition into the space of like, asking for actual compensation for a post, for instance, you know, like I know like when accounts are growing and stuff, it usually starts off with product compensation or exchanges, you know, free product for a post, share, whatever. So when Mm -hmm. did you make the transition into saying like, okay, like my work is worthy. I need to start asking for set amount for a post or share. And when did you start setting those, you know, prices and values on your work and your time too? So I think the best way to answer this is that it's never black and white. I think a lot of people assume that because I'm at the following that I am, which isn't even that big to be honest, but at the 24,000 follower range, a lot of people expect that I wouldn't do anything for free, wouldn't do anything for trade, but that's not the case. I think that when it comes to partnering with a brand, you need to look at the value that you're providing them and the value they're providing to you. So, I would say for the first two years of having my headstands and heels brand, I did primarily trade and exchange uh, posts and collaborations. But I think that I was surprised within the first year at a few different brands. I think Propel Water was one of the first ones that reached out to me for a bigger campaign that was paid. And it it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, there are some brands that are willing to compensate me for this. That's not just free product. So I did start to charge at that point, and that was very early on, but it was really on a case-by-case basis. It just depended on if I thought that building a relationship with the brand by doing more in exchange collaborations was more important to me because I wanted to foster that relationship, I continued to do so. If I felt like it was a one-off that could be really great for one thing, but I didn't really care to foster that relationship, then I would charge. So that's kind of how I approach a lot of my work. I will say now it's like 99% uh, paid compensation because I need it. It's my full-time job. 
Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's analyzing the situation. So for instance, like my favorite CBD company decided to, you know, give me free product. And I started looking at it. I'm like, wow, that's $200 I'm saving each, you know, time I need to reorder. And to me, that is plenty enough. And as you said, if you really love the brand, like it is, it is fun to help them and you can foster a relationship. Like there's even as a, you know, small account, there's a few brands where me and, you know, their social media person, like we email all the time, like you can foster and build relationships and it's really beautiful. Like if you let it be. Exactly. I've been working with a brand called Tula, which is a skincare company. been working with them for the past three years. It, I am a part of their affiliate program, but I genuinely just love their team. I've been to their office. Um, I know a lot of the people who are on the social team and it's just so cool to me that I, I would just, that I have that relationship that I would never turn around and be like, actually now I need to get paid for each time that I share this because to me, I love Tula and I literally use it every single day and I just love to keep getting the product so I can use it. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, yeah, it's just enough to have the product, but so we, on this whole time, we've been talking about content creation. And so I'm curious, could you walk us through what your work is like? So a brand reaches out to you, you accept, they send you the product. Then like, what's the process like for you? How do you plan, strategize, come up with the, you know, creative aspect of it. And then, you know, from that point onward, I'm just curious what it looks like for you in your schedule. Yeah. So logistically, if a brand reaches out, there's a lot of back and forth first, as far as finalizing a contract, looking through that. And then typically every brand that I work with sends through a creative brief. So that is a set of guidelines of what I need to follow. Um, Some of them are more lax and they're very good about just letting me run with whatever my creative vision is. Some would have to have, like they have tighter guidelines that I have to fit in. So I would say my process typically is that I receive the product. I have a timeline if I know when I need to deliver it. Um, I work with photographer pretty regularly in the city. Her name is Winnie Lau and she's amazing. I've been working with her very consistently for the past two years. So sometimes I'll hire her um, to basically shoot the product and me doing some type of really fun thing around it. For me, a lot of it is just when I look at a product that I'm about to promote, it needs, I want to showcase it in a way that is different and something that's going to stand out and be fun and fit my brand personality of just, you know, happiness and positivity and being super colorful, but also getting the messaging across. So there's a few different things that go into it. I do usually create a shot list. I'll send that to my photographer. I'll have to book a studio sometimes, or I just pick a location. Then we shoot. She'll she'll edit initially, then she'll send me the the edited photos. I do another edit on top of it, and then I submit it to the brand with the copy. They approve, and then I post. So there's a lot of different things that go into it, but I would say the biggest key strategy-wise is coming up with that initial shot list of what I want the end result to look like. How do you keep the creative juices flowing? Because for me, I get so stunted I mean, of course, I'm not in a very creative environment. New York City is an entirely different, you know, playing field. But are there, is there anything you do to like keep, you know, keep the creative juices going, uh, you know, stay inspired or like, I don't, I don't know, just like even finding the places like that sounds so amazingly (laughs) difficult for me. 
I, I understand. I actually wrote a whole blog post on this. I think it was like 10 ways to get creative inspiration whenever you're feeling like in a slump, because that happens to anyone, especially people who are in the creative field, because you not only have to come up with something visual, but you also have to come up with the caption. And I think those are two very separate things that can be very overwhelming at times. Um, I am lucky that I'm in New York City and there's a lot of inspiration just walking around, but I also follow a lot of people who really inspire me. I save a lot of things almost, almost, you know, like back in the day when you were younger and you would save clippings from magazines that were super inspiring. I save a lot of things on Pinterest. I save things on Instagram, just ideas and inspiration um, that I would like to maybe recreate in the future in my own way. Um, so I always have that to fall back on. But there are days even when I have that where I'm just like, I can't figure out what to do. And sometimes the best thing is just to give yourself a moment to pause and step away from it. Listen to some music that you like go to sometimes for me, I have to go just clear my head walk around go to a fitness class do something that is completely different. <laughs> than what you're focused on and then come back to it. Um, so that for me is like a big, big help. And then just surrounding yourself by people who are also creative and inspiring and bouncing ideas off of them. So I know Alyssa was on your podcast before. She's definitely a person that um, I go to pretty frequently when I'm like, hey, I have this idea and I'm not really sure what to do with it. What are your thoughts? And we kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I have a lot of other creative friends and bloggers who all do the same. So I think it's a lot of that, just surrounding yourself by the right people and, and um, just helping each other out when you can. I love that. And, you know, you do work in a place with so many other creatives and people doing, you know, the similar work of that content creation and the lifestyle wellness health. Like we said in the beginning, there's so many people doing this. So, and oftentimes friends too. I mean, all my friends on the Instagram health wellness scene are my friends and they're also doing something similar to me. So how do you not like how do you keep yourself out of the comparison trap whether that's you know with friends or with you know major accounts or with other people even like how do you stay true to yourself and just not fall into comparing your work or yourself oh gosh that's such a hard one because as humans i mean the real real here is that it's pretty impossible not to compare yourself at times like, let's just get that. <laughs> it all, it happens to everyone. Nobody is above that where they're just like, oh, I never, ever compare myself. <laughs> don't trust anyone that says that. <laughs> yeah, just don't trust anyone because that's seriously, I feel like that's just kind of a bunch of BS. Um, I will say there are many things that you can do to help counteract that. So forming real friendships where I think the core of that not only is trusting each other, but helping each other, collaborating where you can, helping them where you maybe can't collaborate on the same thing, but you can help elevate them in some way. I think that that always helps because then you start to celebrate their successes and their successes become your own. When it comes to brand partnerships, and I know that some people get a little bit scared in that space because they're like, oh, I don't want that brand to choose my friend over me or, you know, somebody else over me. I think at the end of the day, you have to realize there are so many brands out there 
They're all looking for different things and you just need to make sure that you stay true and authentic to your message and the right brands will come to you. Doesn't matter if your friend is doing something that's very similar, your brand, the brand will either choose the both of you or they'll choose somebody that aligns a little bit more with what they're looking for. And it's nothing personal. This is all business. So I think that's, a, that's another big thing. But I think for me, it's always been helpful to just truly celebrate and appreciate other people's success and celebrate them where you can, because that to me alleviates the comparison trap a lot. There's like this beautiful thing, a friend of mine really made me realize about how like when you support someone else with, you know, nothing expected in return, you're just supporting them, you're uplifting them, complimenting them, etc. Like it actually does something to you like inside. Like I know I personally, like I could be having a horrible day and I just, I find someone to support, you know, like someone that I haven't talked to in a while or they're doing something great. And I just share something brief, like just support them in some way. And it just, it makes you feel so much better. And like, that's how you can really form these true friendships. Like when you support endlessly without expecting anything in return, just out of, you know, love and appreciation and gratitude for them. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the whole thing here. Really, it, I think that applies to everything in life. It's not just for Instagram influencers. It's for anybody in any career setting. It's also just relationship building 101. It's appreciating, uplifting, and supporting without needing anything else. Actually, that had gotten me thinking about, I think like it was like the only other time I saw you and Alyssa together before I really knew who <laughs> either of you were was somehow I saw it was your collaboration. It was for like the activewear set. I'm drawing a blank on the name now. The cosmetic project? Yes. So can you like speak on that? Because I was reading, I remember reading about it on your blog and I was like, wow, that is amazing. <laughs> a, it looks out of this world. And B, like, it was just such a good energy with it. Uh, and so I'm just curious, like how did that come about? And what was that whole process event like? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was such a cool experience and I'm just so, so happy and honored that I was able to do it. So last year, one of the big goals that I had was to be able to collaborate with a brand on something tangible, whether or not that'd be merchandise that could be on my site or some type of capsule collection that would be on theirs. And I really thought activewear was the right direction to go, especially given what a lot of my fans look to me for. So I started pitching a few different small local brands to see who would be interested. And I came across the Cosmic Project, who is run by a lovely woman, Becca, um, who is an artist in New York City. And we met together for some matcha. And we just chatted and we vibed so well. And I loved that she created all of her prints from paintings that she did. They were all hand-drawn, hand-created, and she would transfer them into Photoshop and then send them to the manufacturer, and that's how it would end up on um, on these leggings and, and in these activewear sets. And so she called it walkable art, or wearable art, sorry. And 
I was like, that is such a cool concept because I've always loved art. I used to paint and draw all the time. So I talked to her a little bit about that. And she's like, how about you doodle a few things for me, you know, come up with some stuff that you think is cool and let's do a collab collection. And for me, I was so stunned because I thought I was just going to maybe do one pair of leggings and that would be it. And she was like, no, we're going to do a whole collection. And this is going to be under your name. So really go for it. Do what you want to do. And then I'm going to create, you know, we'll create it together. So I, cr I created a watercolor painting, sent it to her, and she turned it into a print, which is now the Playful Posies Active Wear set. And from there, we came up with a color scheme that we both liked. And then she really took the design lead and came up with the other three um, in the collection but I made sure to kind of add my own input all the entire way. So once those pieces were ready, um, I needed to come up with the marketing for it. So I decided to enlist Alyssa and um, Mia, who is the health fleet, and then of course hired Winnie, um, my photographer, and booked a studio, and I was like, this is what I want it to look like. I want it to be very clean, crisp, and I want the colors to really pop, so it had to be on that white box studio. So we came up with that, and then basically decided on a launch day, and this all happened within like a two-month period. It was oh, wow. Insane. Yes, it was so fast. I thought this was going to be a whole year process. It happened super, super quickly. And the support was overwhelming. I like I just I actually like, cried the first day that it was launched just because of how many people, how many friends just in my network, um, people who I never really met before in real life, but we've had Instagram conversations who shared it on their stories and uh, just sent messages to me and said, you know, this is so awesome. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was so grateful for that kind of support. And it's times like that where you really, really appreciate the community that Instagram can be and that it allows you to have. So it's just been such a cool journey from there. I mean, not only did I see all of these people promote it and then some people bought it and shared it, but then Instagram actually decided to pick it up and they featured it on their shop page. Yep. Which wow. is, yeah, which is crazy. So that was pretty recent. Um, Eva Chen, who is the lead for the fashion marketing at Instagram, uh, messaged the cosmic project and said that she loved the designs and she wanted to do like a whole photo shoot, like, at Instagram for it and then featured it on the shop page. So that was really just so cool to see. And um, yeah, it's been an adventure and I, it's my very first time I've ever done something that's tangible for people outside of the you know social media. And so now it's just given me a lot of ideas of what I can do in the future and what works well and, you know, learnings from it that I can, that I can implement. So yeah, it's been a really cool process. That's amazing. And I mean, the experience alone, you know, just is phenomenal. And then moving forward to be able to say like, this, this is what we did, like, we can create this, like, now we can create more or something else. Like, that's just phenomenal. And, you know, it's, it's funny how those things happen. Like we say, like, oh, it'd be a dream if I could do this, or, you know, hope, hopefully someday I can do this. And then I feel like before we know it, sometimes those opportunities arise and it's almost like a pinch me movement of, is this real? And that's even, I mean, more amazing that it took two months. That's shocking. I thought it was going to be a much longer process. 
I think that was a little bit of an anomaly because I'm sure for most people in the fashion space, it takes way, way longer. Um, I just got very lucky that Becca had a very streamlined approach to it and she already knew who she was going to be working with for the manufacturing and that was pretty turnkey. So I didn't have to do any of that heavy lifting on my end. Um, so yeah, I, I think the two month process was really fast and cool, um, but not something that would happen all the time. I see that. And, you know, on the note of Alyssa, in her episode, we talked, I mean, it was supposed to be more of a business focused one, but we ended up talking about like manifestation and energy and all of that the entire time. So <laughs> like, do you apply any of that in your business? Like, is that something that you would manifest or are you just like, I hope I get to do this someday? So I would say that it's, I wouldn't just aimlessly be like, I hope I could do this someday. I think it's good to have dreams and goals. I would say that, yes, I do believe in the power of manifestation. I think that if you truly believe that something's going to happen, that you will put in the energy and the output to make it happen, um, to turn it into a reality. And so that is something that I do implement. I am also a Christian, so I believe in the power of prayer. And I turn to that a lot, especially when it comes to moments in my life where I'm not quite sure what the next step will be. Um, or if something is the right step. So it's a combination of both. It's a, it's a mix of spirituality and religion that has really turned into something beautiful for me um, and something that I think, especially for things like this collab collection with the Cosmic Project, I really, I, I would say like, you, it's not just enough to say you want to do something and, and to manifest it, you have to take the tangible, actionable steps to get there. And so it started with me praying on it, then it turned into me being like, okay, this is going to be my goal. And I can picture myself doing this and doing the visualization work that, you know, you can picture yourself of what it's going to look like. And then me actually putting myself out there and sending emails and getting turned down and going to meetings that didn't really work, but then never giving up that hope and knowing, nope, this is going to be something that I'm going to do and I'm going to find the right person. I love that. And I think that's very beautiful as you said because it allows so much freedom sometimes in this space it's like people are you know we we go to extremes i feel like it's human nature to go to extremes sometimes and to be able to blend both you know spirituality and religion is so amazing because like you said you're able to you know like rely on both belief systems both you know lifestyles and practices to really formulate like a beautiful dream goal intention etc and I think like, it is true. Like you have to put in the work for anything. And I think they just both provide like a good framework for guiding. This is where I want to go. And this is what I'm trying to achieve. And this is what I need to do to get there. Exactly. Yeah. I think that prayer ultimately guides me in the right direction. And then the manifestation is just the visual work and the mantras that I say to myself daily of how to pet myself up and get to the place where I know that I can make it happen, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So oh, it is it's a good one. Yeah. So like, does your family understand like what you're doing in this content creation part? Like, is it because I, I know for me personally, like my family has no clue what I'm doing <laughs> and it's so hard to explain it to them and you know when we were talking about religion and spirituality like I know that alone can be 
something, you know, brought up in family times, but then also with like the field you're in, I know it's, it's like a new age concept almost. So I'm curious, like, how do you explain it to people? Like what you do? It's so hard. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like my family does have an understanding of what I do at this point. It took a little while, but honestly, all of my family follows me and they're super supportive. And I think they really understand that it is kind of this new way of, it's a new media outlet. It's like what magazines used to be. So that was how I, I started to explain it to people. It's like, look at my Instagram as if it's a magazine and brands will pay me for ad space in that magazine and that's how that that's how i make money that's how it works is i work with these brands to promote them on my page to an audience that i created so sometimes it takes a few times to keep saying that and a few you know visual examples of what that looks like for people to really grasp it um but my family has been very supportive as far as the um, space that i'm in with yoga being a much more I guess to your point, more of a new age kind of spiritual world and me coming from a very Christian background and what I truly believe in is it all underlies under Christianity. I think that sometimes it's just really important for me going back to when you asked me how I determine which brands to work with. It's similar in not only the brands I work with, but also my messaging that I never say anything just because it seems to be the trend. So I don't write the universe, even though everyone (laughs) writes the universe when they're referring to a higher power, because to me, it's God. To me, it's Jesus. So I just can't mix that because it's trendy. So I always have to make sure that my point of view comes off at the forefront of like what my Christian beliefs are. And I think from there, people tend to be pretty accepting of the fact that I am a Christian yogi and that I happen to like a lot of the things that are within this space. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I have to sacrifice my core beliefs in doing so. Oh, I love that so much. It's so refreshing to see somebody standing so true in their self. And like you said, like not, not falling victim (laughs) to trends and just doing what everybody else is spewing in the space. So that is, I don't know, it's just, yeah, refreshing to see, like, as we were talking before, knowing your self-worth, knowing like who you are, that's prime definition of it. Like you're just staying true to you and your brand. And I love that. It's truly phenomenal. Thank you. It's actually been, and it's really cool because it's lent um, my brand to an audience that I think sometimes has a hard time finding people within the space that they feel like they can relate to. I have a lot of other Christian followers who try to do yoga, but they aren't sure who to follow because of the messaging and they don't feel quite right about it. So I've had quite a number of people reach out to me just because of that. And they said, you know, I love that you're doing it this way. It makes me feel so much more comfortable practicing. Even if my family seems weird about it, like I know that other people can do it. It means I can do it. And um, I'm actually starting to teach yoga now online for a Christian yoga company called Grace and Strength. And it's based out of Australia, um, just founded by two wonderful, beautiful women who are just so supportive and lovely. And um, it's really for, it caters towards Christians who want to practice yoga, but just never felt like they had a safe space to do so. That is beautiful. And yeah, it's just 
find finding your people like and, and the people find you who they need the most so that is just amazing well Thank where, you. yeah and it's just been love this conversation has I feel like so informative I have so much information running through my mind and motivation <laughs> and inspiration <laughs> thank you <laughs> so do you have any like fun projects collaborations coming up this year that you're able to share or um you know it's I do have some really really fun things in the works but I'm not quite able to share it just yet I would say Probably one of the things that I really want to push is that I will be teaching yoga more, whether that be in person in events. Um, I want to push myself and really try to get a mentorship and do some things that allow me to grow in my practice and share it with people outside of Instagram as well. So that's going to be a big thing for me personally. And then I do have a really exciting brand ambassador partnership thing happening, but it doesn't kick off until the end of February. So I can't say anything about it now, but if you stay tuned at the end of February, that's when it'll be launched. Um, and that's probably the most exciting thing on my plate. So I'm sorry, I can't reveal anything else, but <laughs> so I, I will say there are some really cool things in the works. That's okay. People will just have to follow you, which I think we <laughs> mentioned, but you're at headstands and heels and yes. your blog too, right? It's the same name and everything. It is. It's all headstands and heels. Which I love that name. I think it's so crafty. I just love it. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted an alliteration and that was how it started. But then also because I was working in digital marketing at the time at a PR company and having to wear heels all the time, it started as a juxtaposition of my life in you know the career corporate world and then trying to balance that with like fitness and yoga life. And it, of course, it's evolved as I've come out of that. But I'm glad that people still understand that it's just a very feminine and fun approach to wellness. I was going to say, it, it's, to me, it's, it's very, it's like, a, it has a classy side, but also the like more comforting, like, okay, I belong here side too. Yeah. Just I had to say, I really, really appreciate it, but. <laughs> oh, thank you. That makes me happy. I hope you guys took as much away from that episode as I did. I know that while editing it back, I just was reminded of so many gentle and very much needed reminders from Mel when it comes to business, Instagram, building trust with your audience, just really being you with your brand and not trying to be anybody else. So if you guys like this, if it resonated, maybe you have a favorite little tidbit of advice or wisdom, go ahead, share it on your stories. You know I would be so happy to see it, reshare, and just connect with you. Mel is on Instagram at headstandsandheels. I'm on Instagram at my new handle at Emily Feichels, linked below. You can also connect with the podcast at Let's Thrive Podcast on Instagram. And as usual, you know I'm always down to pick an occasional surprise winner of someone that goes to the show on Apple Podcasts and leaves a rate or review. Helps the show grow, makes me so happy to see it, and you might win some good free stuff, so always think of that. Until next week.